Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Berizicki. I'm Mike Kapler along with Joel Berizicki. Thanks for joining us once again for Growing in Grace. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. We were talking about freedom from guilt. But before we get into that, Joel, I've got to tell you, I know you're a Cardinals fan out there, a Cardinals baseball fan. Well, uh, in the last couple of weeks or so, we had the opportunity to go see the Cubs in Chicago because our family, big Cubs fans. And uh, finally, my family got to see the Cubs win after six games, this being the seventh one. They finally saw the Cubs win. It took them seven games. Well, Mike, all I can say is there's always next year. (laughs) Well, as we speak. Just because they took over first place doesn't mean anything. I realize somebody could be listening to, listening to this in the off season or something, but uh, yeah, I mean the Cubs are tied for first right now. What are you talking about next year? Next year is here. This, yeah. this could be another sign of the second coming of Jesus. You know they're one hundredth of a percentage point ahead. Actually, <laughs> they are if you if you look at their records. It's Boo like the percentage hoo. point. They're they're ahead by like one one hundredth of a of a point. Now you're putting me to sleep now. So. Uh, Enjoy it while it lasts. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just had to get that in because I I know that uh, you being a Cardinals fan would really appreciate that. Actually, I saw the Cubs win when I was a, a child. My dad took me. Remember the, the famous 68 and 69 Cubs that were supposed to win but never did? I saw them win back then, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> well, I saw the famous Lou Brock of the St. Louis Cardinals when I was a boy, so that was kind of my... Uh, memory from uh, baseball as a boy he was fast and of course i got to see my cardinals win the world series last year too but i won't get into that but lou brock joel one time i saw him hit a line drive up the middle and it hit him in the head while he was sliding into second base that's how fast he was (laughs) that's pretty quick i never knew that (laughs) you know we left off last time in first john chapter one I mentioned, Joel, that uh, a passage of Scripture that was really a burden to me because I misunderstood it, and a lot of people taught it to me that way, was that I thought, even even after being saved, after being born again, calling upon Christ to be my Savior, I thought as I went through life that all of my sins needed to be confessed to be forgiven. And uh, that's kind of where we left off last week. Yeah, we left. We talked a little bit about um, about First John one nine, and uh, if we look even just you know, a verse before that, you know, one thing to point out is that as as we've talked about with Paul in in his writings, Paul often would would uh, spend a great deal of time uh, making a, a large making a point. So he'd build up to it, and he didn't write in chapters and verses, and and uh, he would often take some time to make a point. And John. As, as he's writing the book of John, have you ever heard a, a pastor maybe preach a sermon? And he'll say some things that pertain to maybe the unbelievers that are in the congregation. Maybe some unbelievers have come in, and he'll, maybe he'll give an altar call, or he'll say, is there anybody here who doesn't know Christ? There's always going to be people in any given congregation, or usually there would be, who don't know Christ. What I'm saying here is that in John's letter, in First John, He's writing to some people wh- where there are unbelievers in their midst, and he knows that. The people of the church know that, or the people that he's writing to know that. There's Gnostics in the crowd. There's people who, uh, and we won't get into Gnosticism, but there's people who don't believe certain things uh, were true about Christ. 
And, in fact, one of the things, they didn't really believe that sin was uh, a big issue. And, and we won't get into that. But John was writing to these people. The, the first chapter, most of, most of the first chapter of First John, was really directed towards unbelievers. And what he's saying to these Gnostics, what he's saying to these unbelievers in 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He was directly addressing a problem that they were, that the people he was writing to were having. There were some among them who said there was no sin. And he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess, now you could add, on the other hand, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what I believe John is saying here to the unbeliever, you know, you're fooling yourself if you say that you have no sin. You deceive yourselves. But however, now if you confess, and the word confess really means to assent or to agree or to acknowledge. If you acknowledge that you have sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So to the unbeliever, this is what the un, this is the process the unbeliever needs to go through is to admit that there is sin or to acknowledge that sin is a real thing in their life. God then by the blood of Jesus comes in and and, and he's faithful to forgive sins and to cleanse from all unrighteousness and and one more point uh, to cleanse from all unrighteousness. If we're not cleansed of all unrighteousness, God can't dwell in us. So how can the Christian not be already forgiven, because if the Christian isn't forgiven, Christ can't dwell in him. Well, that's just it. I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head. He, he has already uh, cleansed us, and, and we have become righteous. And uh, another thing to point out, too, Joel, is a, a verse that kind of ties in with this is something Paul wrote back in, in Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 9, that if thou wilt confess with your mouth that... Uh, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is one confession that Paul is talking about in Romans 10 that is not a contradiction with what John said in, in uh, his uh, first chapter of First John, because anybody can take a, a concordance and, and look up words, and you can find that in verse 8, the word sin, and in verse 9, the word sins, it's not a verb, it's a noun. Mm -hmm. It's not, a, it's not an, an action. It, it's a, a condition of, of sin. We, we were all born into, uh, all have fallen into this condition of sin. Yes, we have all sinned individually. We've, we've had wrong actions occur, and we have sinned. But what this is talking about is a condition of sin. We, we, we had a, a sinful nature, if you will, confessing Jesus Christ admitting that you have this, this condition that only Jesus can cure you of, so to speak, that only he's the one who can bring uh, the righteousness that is needed to cleanse you from, from the sin that, that was causing uh, the separation between God and man. There's one confession required is what I'm trying to get to in the New Covenant, and that is to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Recognize your need, which is what the law was for. Recognize your need for a Savior because you have this condition of sin. But once you come into faith, once you come into this confession and, and uh, claim Jesus Christ as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, now you are forgiven. 
all of your sins, past, present, and future. And if you've now taken on a new nature, not a sinful one, but even though you may still continue to sin from time to time, we'll get into that later, but you've taken on a new nature of God's holy righteousness. Yeah, that's right. You've been completely forgiven, and, and having been saved, and having been forgiven, and having been cleansed completely, the Lord himself comes to dwell in you and, and with you. In fact, you know, Paul says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So we've become one spirit with God, and there's no way that a sinner, that someone who is guilty of sin, can have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, living and dwelling in them. And so if, if 1 John 1.9 is, is a verse that's meant for believers, then it cancels itself out, because there's, there's no way that a believer needs forgiveness because he's already been forgiven. Now, if, if a believer goes through this process, if an unbeliever goes through this process, becomes a believer and is saved and has the Spirit of God come to dwell in him and then sins, and then that sin means that the Spirit, okay, I'm leaving you, I'm leaving you now, you're going to have to confess again so that I can cleanse you all over again and come back, that you're, we're going to go through this process all throughout our lives of fellowship with God and then no fellowship with God. And if that fellowship is broken, well, we're going to go to hell when we die because the Spirit of we haven't been forgiven, we haven't been cleansed, we're not righteous anymore, and the Spirit of God isn't living in us. And that is not what the gospel is. That's not what the good news is. The good news is, is that once for all, Jesus' blood took away our sin. And like you're saying, Mike, through that one confession, that one agreement with God that Jesus Christ is Lord, he comes... He, forgives us completely i love that what you said past present future forgives us completely takes our sin away comes to dwell in us and that's because he has made us righteous he has made us holy and blameless and he can therefore come to live in us and with us and dwell with and dwell with us and you know we do sin you're right mike like you said but that's not because of a sin nature it's because of a it's because of the flesh and the flesh is a totally different thing than a sin nature that we inherited from Adam the sin nature died it was it was wiped away and nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ this this condition of sin that still dwells in our in our bodies is is something completely different you know sometimes our flesh is driven away by the, by the desires of the flesh but in our spirit, in who we really are, in Christ Jesus, born again, a new creation, we are completely righteous, completely forgiven, and we're still one with God. It's what makes this message of the gospel so phenomenal. And as I was growing in, in grace, Joel, in my early years of uh, this exchanged life doctrine, if you will, uh, this, this belief that we have in, in, in God's grace, as I began to understand more about it, I would catch myself not realizing all that had been given to me through Jesus Christ. And that's really what we're dealing with here is people not realizing the forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future that they have, that the freedom from guilt that they can walk in in this life and can make life so much more enjoyable than what they had under this, uh, this obligation of, of law and bondage and guilt and frustration and confession of sin and all this stuff. I, sometimes I would be driving down the road, and uh, I would get frustrated with other drivers because, you know, most of them aren't as good as I am at driving a car, right? Mm. 
And so I would get mad and I would say, oh, you stupid idiot. And, and then I would feel bad because I called them a stupid idiot. And was calling them an idiot a good thing to do? No, it wasn't. And so I, automatically, because of the way I was programmed, legalistically speaking, I would say, oh, God, forgive me for saying that. Mm. I was already forgiven. Mm -hmm. and, and God began to gently show me that you're already forgiven. So when I do that now, when I do the wrong thing on the spur of the moment and I feel, you know, sort of like I shouldn't have done that, uh, instead of just saying, oh, God, please forgive me for that, I'll say something more like, Lord, I'm sorry I call that person a stupid idiot. You know, help me not to do that. Right. A uh, little different perspective. Yeah, and, and that, you know, Paul said, you know, he told us to be kind and compassionate to one another in Ephesians, you know, forgiving each other. And he says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's past tense. That's Ephesians 4.32. So it, it's, it's, a, it's not so much, a it's not a matter of, all right, uh, I need to start being forgiving so that God will forgive me, or I need to ask God to forgive me so that he'll forgive me. It's he already forgave me, and there's my reason right there for learning to be kind and compassionate to others. The new covenant, uh, that's what the new covenant is when it, when, it's, uh, when, it, when it comes to our forgiveness. We've been completely forgiven, past, present, future, as we grow in that, as we learn to grow in that, we can start being kind and compassionate to one another, just as in Christ God forgave us. Well, we got to get uh, going for this one, Mike. It's been good talking with you again. And if uh, our listeners, if you want to get a hold of us for any reason, check us out at graceroots.org. You've been listening to Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Baruzaki, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. 